Welcome to Brit David Podcast as Pastor Tim brings us a New Year's message today entitled Rash Decisions from Judges chapter 11 verses 1 through 40. A local news station surveyed over 400 people asking about their New Year's resolutions for 2024. 59% said they wanted to save more money. 50% said they wanted to exercise more. 47% want to eat healthier. And 40% want to spend more time with family and friends. Which ones do you think will stick? Many people make rash decisions when it comes to New Year's resolutions, and they don't stick very well. Some rash decisions may be harmless, but some of the foolish choices we make in life can have devastating consequences. Just like this one found in Judges chapter 11. Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. That's good stuff. So we're one week into 2024. How are your resolutions doing? <laughs> too, too many of them are already gone, aren't they? Well, if your resolution was to be in church every Sunday this year, congratulations. You're well on your way to being there. If your resolution was not to come to church, well, some have... Some are living up to it. You're not doing so hot. I'm glad that you're here. In fact, when we talk about resolutions, sometimes those resolutions are made without a lot of forethought, uh, without a lot of planning. It's suddenly, hey, it's New Year's Eve. I need to come up with something all of a sudden. We make these kinds of resolutions or decisions that are rash and really don't show much long-term insight. But when it comes to decision-making... We're going to be talking about that all month long. Decisions, decisions. When it comes to decisions, there are decisions that we need to make for sure, but decisions that need godly wisdom, decisions that need insight, decisions that need some forethought to be able to think through, once I do this, what's going to happen next? What's the natural outcome or the consequence of the decisions that I make. Too many times, it doesn't have to be a New Year's resolution for sure, but we can make some careless, unnecessary, rash, irresponsible, reckless decisions. And there's not one that seems to be any worse than the one that you'll find in Judges chapter 11. I'm going to let you find some time to find that passage. Israel has once again found herself forsaking God and serving the false idols of those neighboring nations and neighboring peoples. As a result, God is using some of those very same neighbors to bring judgment on His people. In this particular case, He's using the Philistines and He's using the Ammonites. And they have gathered themselves against Israel And God's about to turn them loose when finally God's people begin to cry out to Him for help. You know, as you go through the book of Judges, that's really what you find. You find a group of people who are walking with the Lord who suddenly veer off course. Maybe because of a decision, maybe because of some compromise, maybe for some unforeseen reason, they just get off the path. It doesn't take much, does it? You know, if you're 
if you're walking in a straight line, if you're walking right along with the will of God, it doesn't take much to get off track with Him. Even just the slightest, the slightest deviation, which when it occurs doesn't seem like such a big deal, does it? Still close to the Lord. But as time marches on and God continues that straight line, we continue to move farther and farther and farther away from Him. That's what's happening in Israel. So God gets their attention by sending them judgment. And they cry out to Him for help and He sends them a deliverer. In this particular case, when we get to Judges chapter 11, God has chosen a man by the name of Jephthah. Jephthah becomes the one who will lead Israel into not only victory over their enemies, but to deliver them back into a right relationship with the Lord, at least for a period of time. But it's Jephthah, the chosen leader of God, the one that God will use more than anybody else to bring His people back into line with them, makes one of the most foolish, careless, reckless, rash decisions that you will read anywhere. In fact, before we really get into the story itself, I want you to see what he decides. I want you to see what this decision is. So skip down in Judges chapter 11. Go with me to verse number 30. Verse number 30, the Bible says this. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Jephthah thinks that this is a good idea. First of all, it's a bad idea because it's unnecessary. God's already promised that He's going to deliver the people of Ammon and the Philistines into the hands of Jephthah specifically. He doesn't need to make some kind of bargain with God. God's already told him what He's going to do. Secondly, it becomes a bad idea because you can't negotiate with God. That's, that's not how this works. Remember that commercial? That's not how any of this works. That's not how this works. I don't come to the Lord and say, God, if you will do this, then I promise that I will do that. Some have made those decisions. Some have really made decisions or resolutions that they're going to be in church all this year. But the way that they got there, God... If you will heal me, God, if you will heal my loved one, God, if you'll bring me through this tragedy, God, if you will, if you will meet my financial needs, I promise I'm going to be in church. I promise I'm going to tithe. I promise I'm going to be a witness. I promise I'm going to serve. We try all of these negotiating tactics with God, whereas if He's only blessing us because we're willing to be His servant. The Bible says that it is the goodness of God 
that brings you to himself in the first place. While you are still a sinner running from the Lord, it is God who takes the initiative to be better to you than you ever deserved. To draw you, to woo you to himself. One of the things that you're going to see in this passage, another, a third, I guess, element that makes this such a bad decision, is that he does not reflect on what the consequences of that decision will be. There's some things that are true in Jephthah's life and in this passage that are true for you. And they're true for me. They're true when it comes to making decisions, when it comes to the difference between making good decisions and rash, foolish decisions. And I want you to see them today. Number one, a history of bad decisions usually leads to more unwise choices. A history of bad decisions will usually lead you to making more bad choices along the way. That's certainly what we see in his life. Go all the way back to the beginning of this chapter with me, all the way back to chapter number one. You get to see how Jephthah himself, he is the victim of bad decisions. He is the target of bad decisions. And he goes on to make bad decisions all by himself. Look, if you will, verse number 1. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor. But he was the son of a harlot. Gilead begot Jephthah. It's already a bad decision. It's hard to tell whether or not Gilead was already married at the time. We find in verse number 2 that Gilead is married. She, he does have a wife and she's going to bear him sons. But now whether this episode with the harlot and Gilead happens during his marriage or before his marriage, I don't know, but I do know this. Either way, it was a bad decision. And it was a decision that ended in conception. God's the one who opens and closes the womb. God chooses to give this prostitute a baby by the seed of Gilead. And they're going to name him Jephthah. What a terrible beginning. It's one as we continue to read through the very next verse that's going to follow Jephthah all his life. He's always going to be known as the son of a harlot. Even when he has tried so hard to prove himself to be something else. He's tried with everything that's in him to be a good person. To be a strong person. To be a needed person. Do you notice that it says he is a mighty man of valor. He is valiant. He's trying to do the right things. He's doing them with bravery and with courage. He seems to be a man of great conviction. 
but yet he'll always be known as the son of a harlot. Not only was he the product of a bad decision, he became the target of a bad decision. In verse number 2, apparently somewhere in there in the lifetime of Jephthah, his father, Gilead, dies. Notice what the Bible says. Gilead's wife bore sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house. So when Gilead dies, if, if this happens before the marriage, Jephthah's the oldest. Jephthah deserves the majority of the inheritance. And yet those who were full-blooded in that family say to him, get out. Get out. You don't have any part with us. And you're not going to have any part in our father's inheritance. You're not taking our portion. We don't want anything to do with you. And here's their reasoning. For you are the son of another woman. Drive him out. Now, about Jephthah. That's not his fault, is it? It's not his fault. He didn't have one thing to do with his father's bad choice. And yet he will live with that choice for forever. Don't miss this. The choices that you make, good or bad, do not happen in a vacuum. They will have impact on other people. They'll have impact on your family and on your family down the line. This choice of Gilead now follows him until the hatred of his brothers show up and they kick him out of the family. But it leads Gilead, I mean, leads Jephthah to be a person who makes bad decisions, maybe in a similar way that his own father did. Now remember, this man is God's choice. From the time of his birth, Jephthah was God's choice to deliver his people. And yet the means of his birth, his childhood on into adulthood, is not what you would expect, is it? And he lives up to the expectation, not to God's will. Look in verse number three. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. It's just a place outside. It's an outside place, a place outside of Israel, a place outside of the covenant, a place where unbelievers live. So he dwells in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. This mighty man of valor becomes a violent, 
retaliatory, renegade. And the kind of man that worthless people will attach themselves to are often worthless themselves. It tells you a lot about how far Jephthah has fallen. But there's something in living in Tob, and there's something about being surrounded by worthless people that has served as a wake-up call for Jephthah. God has plans for him. If you were to continue to read those next several paragraphs, you would find that God does indeed have a plan for Jephthah. Even though these bad decisions are compounding one upon another and it's caused him to make unwise choices. That's not where it's going to stop. Even though Jephthah makes good choices along the way, he returns to faith. He returns to faith in the Lord. He returns to a surrender back to God. Essentially saying to God, use me however you choose to use me. God takes this mighty man of valor, restores his valiancy to him, and allows him to be a hero for the nation of Israel and a hero of the faith as well. He uses him to bring about deliverance of his people. And God's already promised him that, even though you got to already read that he makes those unwise choices negotiating with God. Let's go back there. In fact, let's back it up one more verse. We started in verse 30. Let's go back to verse 29. What I want you to see is that a hasty decision usually leads to unwelcome consequences. He didn't think about the consequences. He didn't think about where that was headed. This man who had gotten used to raiding things, taking whatever he wants, making it good, sees now that some of his decisions don't end up so good. They are indeed unwelcome consequences. Verse number 29. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. So he's doing what God has called him to do, empowered and directed by the Spirit of God. Take a, take a great big parenthesis right here for you. You can be in the middle of God's will. You can be doing what God's told you to do, being obedient to Him. Doing it the way and through the means that God has granted and gifted you. And still make a dumb decision. When you're walking with the Lord... It's not a time to put your guard down. You still have an enemy who roars about seeking whom he may devour. 
And when you're at the top of your spiritual game, some of us are the very most vulnerable. We've let our guards down. We don't think anything bad's going to happen to us. Suddenly we feel invincible. And I'm afraid that's where Jephthah thinks. That everything's going right, so nothing could possibly go wrong. To ensure his battle, Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, look, he already knows he's going to win, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. As a burnt offering. Don't miss that part. Let's keep going. Look at verse 32. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them. And the Lord delivered them into his hands. It's victory. And he defeated them from Aror as far as Manith, 20 cities. <laughs> 20 cities. And to Abel, Karamim, and a very great slaughter. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. When Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah. Stop there, remember what he said? When I returned to my house in peace after defeating the people of Ammon. Whatever. Remember he used that word? Whatever comes out. I wonder what he thought. Is it the family dog? Our family dog comes out to meet me. I might want to offer him as a burnt offering too. <laughs> maybe a stray animal. Maybe, maybe one of his lambs. Maybe he thought that's who would come out to greet him. And he would be able to offer that lamb up as a sacrifice to the Lord. A burnt offering that would seal his victory both physical and now spiritual. Tell you the truth, I'm not sure that Jephthah really thought about much. He just wanted to make a grand display. Don't let your decisions be an attempt to make a grand display. If your decisions are simply obedience to God. God will make the display that He chooses. It may be grand. And it may go unnoticed. But, an but a decision to obey is a right decision. Pastor Tim invites you to join us tomorrow as he continues his message, Rash Decisions, from Judges 11, verses 1 through 40. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 
West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.